You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope that you've been having a good week. I have been having a great week, super busy, but I would rather be busy than be bored, so I'm grateful for that. Tomorrow night is another Vox and Hops Thirsty Thursday virtual hang. I love these. I look forward to these. Last week's was a bit crazy. I had a lot of fun. I am super stoked to do again. This is happening at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is just a casual hang where I hang out with some of the Vox and Hops alumni. You Vox and Hops heads and some of my closest friends show up here and there. So come out tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to the Vox and Hops Thirsty Thursday Virtual Hang. The link for that is available in the description of this podcast. On today's episode, I'm with Stefan Kumara of Obscura and Tul Kandra. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 135. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Stefan Kumara of Obscura and Tul Kandra. It is uh, great to be with you. I have to say that uh, this is happening because of another Vox and Hops alumni. Huge shout out to Branislav Panich from Bain. Thank you for hooking us up. How are you, Stefan? I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm sitting over here in uh, Landshut in my tiny little town. It's an hour north of Munich in Germany. And as well, the world is uh, crying. Oktoberfest got cancelled this year, so the mood is kind of so-so. But aside from that, well, we enjoy quarantine, staying at home, working on music, well, and enjoy life. That's what we're doing right now. Yeah, I've been speaking to a lot of people, and a lot of people have been saying that not much is actually different from their day-to-day. The only thing that's missing is actually going to shows. <laughs> yeah, going to shows. Uh, you're not allowed to uh, enter any bars, cafes, any anything like that. So basically, like the same, the same social social distancing as everywhere in the world. Just that, well. There's no beer. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're very lucky that uh, here in, in Quebec, in Canada, the craft beer stores have started a delivery service. I got my shipment yesterday from Vitsutenbier. Uh, I'm super stoked about that. Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends and talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. What beer do you have on your side that we're going to share virtually? I uh, just got a complete mixed box uh, or crate of beer from uh, a fan as a as a little thank you for some some greetings I did uh, some time ago and I do have a, a certain craft beer from Franconia it's an unfiltered uh, in German called Naturtrüb blonde beer kind of heavy and uh, if it's not filtered you you have a lot of Fuselalkohole. Uh, in it so that means it's a beer you you have to enjoy you drink one of it if you have more than two you have a lot of headache on the next day <laughs> <laughs> so if you're familiar with uh, belgian beers or dutch beers like uh, Grimbergen, um or duvel duvel then you know what i'm talking about so Absolutely. this is somewhere in between a dark and uh, a blonde beer but very very spicy oh okay. cool and uh, what, what is the percentage on that Mm, 
Okay, so it's not so mean. Yeah, it's not so mean. Yeah, it's always dangerous when we play uh, in Belgium and they give us a crate of Duvel. <laughs> I'm super uh, happy. I'm super happy, but then the next morning I'm not so happy. On my side, I'm drinking Noctem uh, Artisan Brasseur, which is a brewery out of Quebec City. It's their Humulus Felide. It's an IPA that was brewed with Sabro hops and Equinot hops. And uh, the Sabro hops are actually from the Yakima Chief hops, which is a special hop distributor in North America. Huge shout out to Luc, who I'm going to have on the podcast shortly to talk about all their hops and everything that they're doing. I am really in love with this new hops that's been, well, it's not new, but it's been quite popular recently, the Sabro hops that has like a coconutty note to it. I love it. Just one second, I'm going to pour this out. Tell me, um, are you a craft beer enthusiast? Mm, so-so. I'm a quite conservative uh, beer drinker, if you call me a beer drinker at all. Uh, on occasion, for example, shows or sitting together with friends, I do drink a beer here and then, sometimes even more. Last time we met was kind of fun. Uh, that is right. I, I wasn't going to bring it up, but since you brought it up, I will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did have a good time when we came through Munich last time. It was a cryptopsy aborted benighted and cytotoxin. Great night, lots of fun, and uh, we did have a few too many beers. I think so, yeah. So cheers. Cheers, by the way. I'm not a, uh, a super craft beer enthusiast. I'm trying everything I get, that's correct, but uh, when I'm out with friends, i rather take a, a classic blonde from Munich instead of uh, an IPA. But I have to admit, um, since I like to try out everything, on the last show of our last tour, we had, uh, well, a cooperation with a local brewery, like Metalheads, they opened up their own brewery, and they even start to um, to grew their own hops, like hops that are actually not used for beer anymore. And they start to bring back traditions that have been around 15th and 14th century. So going back to the very, very, very roots. So we teamed up with them and made our own uh, IPA, which is somewhere in between uh, what, what you call a, a classic Indian pale ale and a blonde. So it's not that, that herb or that, that bitter as an IPA can be. And it's somewhere, uh, for my taste, it fits like the golden thin line in between a regular blonde, as you call it, and uh, a classic IPA. And that's that's like uh, a very nice experiment and people really liked it. And I still have a couple of beers here. If you want, I can send you one, but I'm not sure if, if it's working out uh, sending alcohol in bottles to Canada. But uh, I will check that out. I am very interested, and I will talk to you about that after the podcast, about how that can happen. <laughs> uh, take me back. Uh, well, do you know the name of that brewery that, that made this brew for you guys? Yes, uh, Zombroy. Cool. So so shout out to them for, for going back to the, the old traditional style of brewing and doing stuff with metal bands. I love that. Take me back to your youth. Uh, you're growing up in your parents' or guardian's house. What music was playing when you were not in control of putting the music on? What would have been the soundtrack of your youth? There was basically no soundtrack. No, my parents didn't listen to much music, to be honest. It's rarely in, uh, well, musicians' life because most of uh, the musicians grew up in like a musical, not educated family, but uh, at least consuming family. And uh, I got that question here and then. 
and always had to think about it but my parents didn't listen to music at all they were not too interested about that or haven't had time for it uh we neither had a like a quality stereo at home so what i grew up with was a couple of cassettes i got when we actually i, I was born in east germany and uh, there was no music available at all so when we moved over to western germany before the the wall was down um we got simply well more or less uh, eaten up by everything you could get at the same time in terms of culture in terms of not only music and then i, I listened to everything that was uh, available from well mid and late 80s so let's talk about bruce springsteen <laughs> yeah of course you can't go wrong with the boss uh, dark times <laughs> i can tell you what would have been that first show that you went to go see there's a, i know that germany has such a rich musical culture for bands coming through and touring what would have been the first metal show that you attended i think it was a cannibal corpse show in 1998 with uh nile the brazilian christian Marduk and Dark Funeral. So it was the first show I attended in Munich. I live a little bit outside, an hour outside. Went there by train as a, a tiny little teenager and got simply blown away by only blast beats, black metal, extreme death metal. And I loved it. <laughs> what, what a fucking lineup. Holy shit. Yeah, I think it was called No Mercy Fest. Kind of fitting, isn't it? It's uh, <laughs> what a <laughs> crazy event. <laughs> that nowadays would just be huge. <laughs> crazy do you remember your first time on stage um as a metal musician or as a musician overall oh we can go back into because you started out where did you start playing then i actually got um like a scholarship for a boarding school when i was nine years old for musically gifted kids so i was basically living in the school for um for a couple of years and only every second weekend in the month i was going home to my parents and there i got a quite a quite quality education we learned to play piano we learned to to sing in a choir we learned to sing solo the only negative aspect about that entire school was it was a very very catholic hmm. so uh, we had to learn latin we had to learn um, so ma so many things i could not I identify with and of course, I got kicked out of that school a couple of years later, <laughs> rebelling about, uh, against everything. But at that school, I had my first show, so to say, and uh, singing in the dome of Regensburg in front of, I think, 3,000 people. Wow. At the age of nine with a full choir. So that was, I think it was, um, yeah, frightening at, and, well at the same time so uh, you loved it but you don't know why and uh, you're a little bit insecure at, the, at that age and that's somehow somehow still sticks in my mind and as an instrumentalist i played a couple of uh, piano concerts at the age of nine and ten on several occasions also as part of this uh, education sorry i was gonna say but there's no music in your house growing up but there must have been instruments for you to be such a prodigy such a because you, you got this scholarship to go to this harry potter school of music <laughs> <laughs> um, no it, it actually went through the um uh, the regular school we went uh to a normal like how you call it uh primary school exactly yes and there the teachers figured okay that guy is capable of 
doing something and uh, they, then they talked to my parents and somehow I ended up getting the scholarship but I was so young I do not remember everything what they talked about so wow that's like nature versus nurture you know <laughs> I don't know I somehow <laughs> ended there and um, I do not play piano anymore I do not uh, really sing in a choir maybe a death metal choir but that's a different story <laughs> uh, but uh, what I still keep from that time those those years is uh, how they trained my my ears so my my uh education in theory might not be on the level of uh, like a masters of arts but uh my my hearing my ears is very very well trained that's also the reason why i went later on into going down the road uh, studying something more direction to acoustics like uh passive acoustics and uh, sounds sounds and all all that uh, developments that, that have been more interesting and teasing for me because that's something I understand naturally a little bit better instead of like old concepts that are on a mathematical point of view not too, making too much sense in my opinion but it's a way different story so wow. somehow it uh, went down a very natural way of being a metal musician rebelling against everything but coming back to a question about all of those stories my first metal show I played at the age of 16. And how was that? Because Germany is such a, a prolific metal country. There's so much competition. How did you approach that first show? Did you feel like you were ready or did you just say, I'm going to jump up on that stage because I want to be there. I want to be up there with Nile and Cannibal Corpse one day. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I think we simply got the, the chance to play in the same building with a couple of other bands that were not necessarily in metal bands and play our first show, we didn't think about too much. There were so many friends and, uh, yeah, people from the family uh, sticking around, having a drink and watching what the kids are doing. So I do not have any, any audio or video recordings from that evening, but it must have been horrible. <laughs> <laughs> as, as all first shows tend to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Um, Obviously, uh, I was kind of frightening because every time you, you present yourself on a stage, you somehow give a certain personality of you to people you don't know at all. So it's how you present yourself. And the first shows have been strange. There, there was always kind of stage fright, but over the years, I mean, you, you know how that works. <laughs> oh, I've talked about on the podcast numerous times that I feel like if you don't have stage fright anymore or like that slight queasiness right before a show or that weird little stress then you should stop playing because you're not going to be you're not you're not exciting anymore mm, yes and no i mean if you still feel excited if you're really looking forward okay let's wait another half an hour let's uh, warm up and you really want to play a show because you see there are a lot of uh, enthusiastic fans or friends or even people you don't even know but you want to show them what you're capable of with your band and uh, playing an awesome show and then see during the show if you more or less get the attention of the audience. If you really crack the nut and, uh, well, in, in the end you, you gain a couple of, of new fans. That's still a lot, lot, lot exciting uh -huh. uh, for me, to be honest. And also I do not have any stage fright. I'm not sure if that stays the same. Think about you, you ever get the chance to play in front of like 60 or 80,000 people on a big festival main stage. Maybe that 
tickling or itching from back in the days is uh, coming back at that point. But who knows? I mean, yeah. we're playing death metal. <laughs> <laughs> is that how you approach writing new material too? Do you want to always just show the world everything that you can do? Not anymore. No? What, how has that changed? Maybe in my early 20s when I recorded music, uh, I somehow felt to show people what uh, what we are capable of as musicians. But to be honest, on the long term, it doesn't make too much sense. When when I, for example, uh, put together set lists for uh, our recent tours, I always have to think about, okay, that song, yeah, it's it's super amazing. It's super shreddy. It's extreme and demanding for everything, but it doesn't work live at all. People get bored mm-hmm. because um, the transition between having a super um, recorded and clean polished production in the perfect environment of a studio and then you you are capable of uh, listen, listening to every single song, every every single, single detail of each composition. It's a completely different to if you're playing live and the circumstances are not perfect. So also the, the approach, if you are on stage and you're always on the very, very edge of what you are capable of, you barely can enjoy what you're doing on stage. And that's what I learned during the last, let's say, 10 years, a lot. And I rather enjoy playing a cool show and I'm only a couple of times um, on the edge. Like there, there are always a couple of songs or parts you really, really, really have to, well, sit down and rehearse your ass off. But at the same time, there are a couple of songs where you can simply, well, do some 80s uh, rock moves on stage. <laughs> and somehow keeping keeping this balance and, and dynamic in the show is also what uh, people off the stage enjoy. And that's what I learned during the last couple of years. That's also how I changed a little bit how I write music and also how we play live shows. You, you've written it so that you can enjoy yourself and breathe. Yeah, that's 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 the point. I do not want to stay on one position. Uh, well, I'm uh, singing aside from playing guitar. I do not want to only stay on one point on the stage and not being able to, to enjoy anything because you're so, so focused on not playing a single mistake. Ah, <laughs> I, I, I don't, uh, I don't need that anymore. So I, I rather enjoy playing a cool show, having a good time with everyone, and well, sometimes here and there it shines through what you're capable of. But that's not the point why I'm making music. Yes, that's very important too. To it, it should be fun for us too, as much as it's fun for the crowd to witness us. Yeah. That's the point. It's just about having a good time. In the end, even if you are playing in an extreme death metal band, it's somehow entertainment. It's entertainment, but it's also very difficult at the same time for the members. Uh, Cryptopsy over the years, uh, we've had lots of lineup changes. Uh, sadly, Obscura has that same story. Recently, you guys lost just about your whole lineup. Would you like to touch on that? Oh Well, the guys just decided they uh, want to do something completely else. To be honest, I was quite surprised on that move because we just finished our uh, last tour in, let me see, mid-March, early March. So we haven't had to cancel any shows. That was extremely, extremely lucky. And I enjoyed the tour. The entire mood was kind of cool. And um, everything turned out well. I played double duties. I had my other band uh, also on tour, Tulkandra. So I played two shows a night and it was cool. I mean... A lot of people, 
doing the shows. Like, uh, the attendance was cool. It was not overwhelming. It was not underwhelming. It was just a cool tour. And, well, a couple of days after, I got an email of the three gentlemen deciding uh, to leave the ship. So I was really surprised. I didn't see that coming. But, I mean, musical differences, if you're not on the same page anymore, rather those guys do what they want to do. I will focus on what I always did. Like, I, I follow what what I have in mind for Obscura. And I think this is the best solution instead of uh, doing a full compromise and writing an album nobody's happy with afterwards. So I'm fine with that. So I w although I was surprised by the move, but I, I don't have any, any bad feel for anyone. So it's just natural. It's fine. That's a very mature answer. <laughs> you sound very unemotional about it, which is uh, how I would like to approach projects at moments, but I find myself being very too emotional. What is going to be your next step to fill up this lineup once again? Oh, I do have a full lineup already. <laughs> good good for you. How did that happen? Doing a couple of calls. That's fucking awesome. I mean, um, the the band seems quite interesting for a lot of, lot of uh, musicians to play with since we are touring regularly. We are playing um nice shows uh, all around the world and uh, that's well attracting a lot of lot of people I, I do not announce any open auditions but i got i i didn't count yet but i got so many messages from musicians uh bass uh bassists guitarists drummers yeah it seems like uh, the band is uh, quite interesting for a lot of people but uh, to come back to a question i think we just go on and uh, everything sticks to the plan. This year was planned uh, for songwriting anyway. So we booked the studio with the, the other three guys that now jump ship. So I keep the um, the recording dates and everything go goes ahead as planned. So just with a different lineup. So <laughs> more I can say about it. I was surprised by the entire move. So it's hard losing members. It's... Uh a touring vibe it, it, you work as a unit uh, i always mourn when i lose someone in a band uh, how how does songwriting happen in obscure is it something that happens in a group setting or is it you that comes with songs and works with other people that's a complete different approach we change every time we write a record if you have a look to the credits of the obscure records there, there are some songs written by a single songwriter. There are a couple of songs written by a couple of people. Sometimes you only have two guys. It depends on the flow. It completely depends on the flow. And what I learned during the last 15, almost 20 years is simply to keep the creative process out of the studio. So what I do since two records now is going to invest a lot, lot of time into a full pre-production. And... Um, to run a pre-production, I changed my my approach a little bit. So what I do right now, for example, for the for the new record or what I did, is um, I keep the the spontaneous moments. That's always a problem I had with uh, writing music before, because we you write down every single every single note of the band, every single uh, drum hit, every single um, slap on the bass, whatever. Everything is written down, but that costs a lot of time, and sometimes you lose the flow about that, and that's something I, I try to 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 solve. So, I wrote the, the the new album in a little bit different way. So, 
I, um, I recorded drafts. Ten drafts will become ten songs. And for each draft, I took one day and I simply recorded everything I had in mind for a certain song I have in mind. And with all those ideas, I form an arrangement afterwards and those arrangements are going to be presented to entire lineup. And from that stage on, everybody is involved. So also there's like one songwriter credited in, in an album. Every musician in the band somehow has his influence and mm -hmm. somehow brought his stamp to a, um, well, to a certain song or uh, an album, depending on the lineup. So that's also the reason why I always look for musicians that have their very own stamp. I'm not looking for a guitarist who is a copycat of the previous guitarist. I never did that. I want to have people who bring their very own stamp in it. Yeah, like 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 Death did. Yeah, probably. Probably, or other bands that have a lot of lineup changes and there are a lot out there unfortunately it's it's hard being in a, in a touring death metal band it's it's you know we get some money but family happens and touring conditions are rigorous and it's it's very difficult a lot of people don't understand how rigorous it is yeah. being in a touring band is a complete different story than uh working in a project having a recording session once up in a year and everybody delivers uh, their files the guys recorded in the home studio being mm -hmm. in a touring band is a complete different story since you spend so much time together in a very small space and sometimes the conditions are not perfect actually most of the time but you don't care because um, there are a lot of fans going to the shows and they want to see a show and of course the show must go on it's an, it's an old rule it's all for the art yes Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter if you if you're sick as hell, uh, if you puke everything, it doesn't matter. You go on stage. <laughs> can, can you give and me some shout outs of, of who these artists are that have joined your Obscura? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, but, but we we present uh, the first one on 29th of April. Cool. If that is a spoiler enough. Cool. I think this is going to come out on the same day as that, actually. Oh, perfect. So watch out. Uh, We present everyone uh, a little bit uh, uh, apart from each other. Yeah, no problem. To yeah. keep it to keep it a little bit more interesting, but uh, I do have the lineup. We already work on the music. So let's talk about doing double duty, playing in Tolkandra and Obscura back to back, or were they back to back, or was there a band in between? How did you do that? How did you feel while you did that? Well, um, it was my decision to bring Tolkandra on tour, so. There's no reason to complain. <laughs> <laughs> But it's not easy. That's true. That's true. But um, there was a band in between. The entire touring lineup uh, consisted of Obscura, Got the Throne from the Netherlands, yes. Tukandra, and a very, very talented band from uh, from France called Fractal Universe. Mm. Uh, quite proggy, tacky death metal with a slightly note of Gujira. So definitely a band I can recommend. And... Um, Doing all those double duties was not a big issue. To be honest, um, I thought about having issues with, uh, well, uh, the voice. Not because of the, the amount of time, but actually the cooling down time of the band that was playing in between. So between Tulkandra and Obscura, I had uh, to wait roughly one hour because Gottitron played their show plus building up, building down, simply the changeovers. And there I figured in the past in studio sessions, sometimes this cooling down time, uh, if you have a break, 
hurt your hurt your vocals. So what I did uh, before, I have a, a vocal cabin in my room. I bought uh, some time ago. I simply trained that. So I played both shows before uh, the tour started at home. Wow! In its entirely a, a couple of like roughly two or three weeks. Not every day, but every second or third day, I played uh, the entire thing. Uh, with both and that paid off so the first day i had uh, maybe in the last two songs of obscura a little bit uh n- not of issues but y- you could hear that the, the 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 vocal strings have been a little bit overused the second day it was okay-ish and from the third day on bah, it ran down it was no issue at all and i was quite surprised as everybody else that this was working out well <laughs> yeah you have to be honest so no no I, I get it i get it uh, it's uh going out on tour and doing it night after night is hard enough let alone two sets just about back to back so so cheers to you for being able to pull that off you guys have toured for many 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 years and uh have toured with a lot of amazing acts if you could travel back in time and relive one of your tours what tour would that be Japan 2010. Mm, I love Japan, yeah. Yeah, first of all, Japan is awesome. Second, um, we played with Nile, with wow, Trypticon, yeah. and Obscura. And in Obscura, we had uh, a quite family guy helping us out called Steve DiGiorgio. Oh, really? Oh, shit, I didn't, I didn't know that. Fuck. That, that was really, really fun. And uh, I had birthday with Steve DiGiorgio playing in Obscura and uh, celebrating that with Tom G. Warrior in Tokyo. Think about that. <laughs> wow. Okay, I get it. <laughs> that's a, That sounds like a good one. Uh, what would be the worst thing that has ever happened to you on tour? On tour? Um, you mentioned vomiting, shitting. <laughs> yeah, all that. All that happened and probably will happen again. But the worst, the very, very worst experience I had on tour was I think after our first US tour with Cannibal Corpse 2009, we had some shows scheduled after that tour. They they called it, uh, I think, the Contamination something tour with Abysmal Dawn and a couple of other bands. And we called it the Swine Flu tour because oh. at that time the Swine Flu was uh, around <laughs> everywhere and everybody <laughs> in the band turned so sick, but we still kept playing like... Everyone in the band was sick, but we still kept playing until I lost my my voice. I was not able to speak properly anymore, and I was just puking like green saliva, whatever. It and then we simply had to break up and and leave home. That was the worst so far. But nothing worse than being sick on the road. It's so brutal. I I luckily have never been overly ill on tour, as I knock on wood. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Not happening. <laughs> <laughs> One last question. Um, what is your hangover cure? My hangover cure? Um, first, a lot of complaining about myself. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine you had a hangover after that aborted cryptopsy show. I don't remember. <laughs> um, that's a good... I do not have a real hangover cure, but uh, I think about that. After having a second of this beers, I'm drinking right now. <laughs> yes, I hope that you do have Tomorrow. a second. I'm always the worst influence. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Stefan, thank you so much for hanging out with me. 
drinking a craft beer, talking about your life, your music. I really appreciate it. I can't wait to come to Munich again or for you to be back out on tour over here so that we can hang out in person and do this again for real. Cheers, brother. Would be a pleasure. Cheers, and thank you very much for the interview. Cheers. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Stefan's such a cool, excellent, very talented musician. Super stoked that I had the chance to speak with him. I love how he has approached this new creative time for his band. I like how he approached it so um, mechanically almost, just moving forward. He already has some new members, so all of you Obscura fans out there, get ready for a new record because he's going into the studio, as he mentioned. I hope that you have a good rest of the week. Remember, tomorrow night, 8 p.m. is the Vox and Hops Thirsty Thursday Virtual Hang. Come out, hang out. It's always a good time, and I absolutely love these, so, so join us. I hope you have a good rest of the week. I have one more episode coming at you this Friday. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Fox and Hopsets. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.